This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we go over the basics of NetApp with some of our Solifier peeps, Mike Turner and Amy Lewis. It's NetApp 101. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Glenn Sizemore, filling in for the illustrious Justin Parisi, who is late. He should be joining us here here shortly. We'll see if he actually makes the the, the recording or not. Uh, nevertheless, not late, on time, in the studio, next to me, we are not the same person, Andrew Sullivan. How are you doing, Sully? I am... I, I This feels weird again. I, it's been so long since I've been on here. It's... Justin, I think Justin does it on purpose. He looks at my calendar for the days that I'm traveling, and that's when he schedules recordings. Uh, the, the past couple of weeks, it's at least been that way. Yeah, well, for the next three weeks, I'll be gone, so I can't really fault him. <laughs> You're gone again? Yes, for three solid weeks. Well, where are you going for the listeners so that they can find you on the road? I will be in Sunnyvale well, slash Santa Clara for Container World. After that, I will be on both coasts for customer meetings. And then the third week, I will be in Canada, Vancouver, and Calgary for Insight on the Road. Ah, that sounds awesome, man. Cool. All right. Also joining us in the studio, the one and only Mike Turner. Mike, how you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Have you been on this podcast before? Once. I did an insight on, uh, on the spot thing. I thought you had. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, and then uh, also on the phone this week, uh, this is becoming a weekly thing. It's okay. We're just going to keep we're going to keep going as long as she says yes. Uh, Amy Lewis, how you doing, Amy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, so the goal for today's podcast, this is going to be a quick hit for those of you in your commute. If you're expecting a big hour and a half long deep dive, that was last week. We burnt your heads out with performance and Tony Gaddis. Uh, this week, we're, we're, uh, we're going to just kind of do a little culture stuff. We're just going to kind of talk about, you know, what it's like to be here, what we feel. Uh, and and uh, another one of these, like, getting to know NetApp uh, type episodes. What does that sound like? You guys, you guys down for this? Pumped. Pumped? Well, we sing Kumbaya at the end. <laughs> Normally there is singing. It's not quite kumbaya. Normally it's it's a little more gangster rap than that, but we'll we'll, we'll see. We can roll with it. So. Yeah. I've got your nickel. The doctor is in. Oh. <laughs> there it goes. So I guess the the most logical place for us to start this conversation is to just kind of level set a little bit, you know, like how long have we been here? So I I guess I'm with Justin not here yet. I I must be the old dog. I I think yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been I've been with NetApp for six years now. Uh, before before coming to 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 join the team, I as you know, Sully uh, worked as a customer who used NetApp storage inside the Department of Defense for a great many years, just as an IT practitioner and and all sorts of different jobs. Uh, did that for you know good 10, 15 years, and then decided I need to change a pace and came over to the vendor side. Um, so so I think I have officially been a vendor now long enough that I no longer have a valid opinion. I would argue that I'd never had a valid opinion, but you know, I don't know, man. There's that there's that window when you first come over from a customer where you you know everything. You're just like, I have all the answers. Just ask me, guys. I know everything you should be doing. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, jumping back just a little bit, right? The goal of today is to kind of do a NetApp 101, right? So as Glenn said, level set on where our backgrounds are and where we come from, and then kind of roll that into what that means for NetApp, uh, NetApp's product line, NetApp's portfolio, and how we view the world. Uh, the ultimate goal being to, well, help our customers, help our sales force, help our, our customer teams understand um, the things that we talk about and why we talk about them and our perspectives on those things. Uh, so without further ado, uh, so I've been with NetApp for three and a half years now, and it's entirely Glenn's fault. Uh, in, in, no, really, it is Glenn's fault. Yeah, I take total total credit. Yeah, we, we did work together previously, and Glenn, uh, sort of out of the blue, I got a, a phone call from my uh, soon-to-be manager at NetApp, though I did not know it at the time. He was like, yeah, this Glenn Sizemore guy, he, he threw your name into the hat for this position, and let me talk to you about it. Uh, so went through the process, joined NetApp, did a, did a move up into the Raleigh, North Carolina area. It's been fantastic ever since. And you did uh, vSphere for the first year and a half, and then you were off to the races, man. Just yeah. all the latest and greatest technology, anything that needs to get figured out. Yeah, so officially I spent the first year as the uh, core hypervisor integration TME for vSphere or for the VMware ecosystem. Uh, so that was my main priority. Uh, secondary priorities or secondary tasks included automation orchestration, so the VRLI suite and all those other things, which rolled into Evil Rail, so our first foray into the HCI market. Uh, and then after Evil Rail, uh, it came down to I was talking with my manager and he said, Hey, we've been hearing a lot about these containers things. You should probably go check that out. And that turned into the Barnacle team. And now I focus on open ecosystems. So I am now all of those things that I'm sure everybody is tired of hearing me talk about by now. I'm not, but, but you know, whatever. I, I just, I clearly have an, an addiction to you. Mike, what about you, man? You came over with the acquisition, right? Yep, came over with Solvire Acquisition. So that was about one year ago, almost to the day, right? Uh, so for that, it was a solid year at Solid Fire. Uh, kind of bounced around. I was always cited as a social media manager, but I you know, participate in the events teams, participate in the uh, product marketing teams, kind of content production. Anywhere that needs some uh, some creativity, I'm never scared to, <laughs> to scare people into ideas they didn't think of before. What did you think of the storage industry two years ago when you started doing that? Well, see, before I was with, uh, before I came to Solid Fires with Cisco, so I was always under the, I was okay. more into the UCS, the uh, network attached storage. I saw everything going virtual, and you, you know, we were always working with the different storage partners, so I was always familiar with all of it, but never, yeah. And then Amy, uh, do, do you want to give the? I, I think we've done this before, but 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 please uh, get, get get us caught up. I'll keep it to 140 or less. Oh, can you? Um, Let's go. I, I really can. Um, I've been at NetApp through the acquisition via SolidFire now for a year, with SolidFire two years before that, and with Cisco four years before that. And before that, I was in book publishing. I did yes. not know about the book publishing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I killed trees for a living, including once editing a book on a book on how to use Netscape. So everybody live with that idea. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, so so as uh, Andrew uh, so, so uh, 
kindly corrected me earlier when I just dived into our agenda with without any setup for the listener. Uh, that that's kind of where we come from. Uh, so so if you're listening at home, that that's roughly where we sit, and and that's what's going to flavor the answers for the rest of this podcast. Cool. So I guess my question for you guys uh, had a few when we came over with the introduction. Obviously, the integration is keep moving and moving, moving forward. Now I'm actually full on the NetApp team as opposed to being solidfire focused at all, really. So I was kind of myself trying to get a hold of the entire NetApp suite of products. Like, what do I need to know? If someone asked me the difference between, you know, seven mode and C dot, I don't really know that kind of stuff. I was kind of looking for myself for just a one-on-one. And then uh, Amy had the idea to just turn it into a podcast for folks like me that are newer to NetApp or newer to the whole ecosystem we're running with. So I guess great, great first question, just right off the dot, something to, to smack people in the face with. What, in your opinions, what is the coolest thing that NetApp does, whether it's a feature, one specific product, what is the thing that you just love about the company that makes you excited to work with? Uh, I, I'm a nerd at heart, so my answer is the PowerShell toolkit, honestly. Um, and I say that because, one, it allows me to explore the SDKs, the APIs, right, behind not only ONTAP, but also behind SolidFire, behind E-Series, right, all of those. Um, and two, it allows me to do a lot of the automation, a lot of the things that I have always known and loved and been able to do, right? The storage platforms themselves, they each have their own merits, right? There's not any one situation that one is absolutely perfect for um, in every single way, right? There's always positives and negatives. Some are, you know, yeah. one. SolidFire is better at X, ONTAP's better at Y, E-Series is better at Z, right? All of these types of things. So, you know, that's... They're really cool in their own aspect, but something that is really unique or, or something that I think is really interesting, really unique is just all of the integration that we have there and being able to take that cross-platform, right? I was talking with Mr. Atwell the other day. We now have the SolidFire PowerShell modules available cross-platform. They work in Docker containers. They work in Mac. They work in Linux. They, of course, work on Windows. So, you know, hey, I, I'm sitting here in the podcast studio. I see two Macs in front of me. Guess what? We can run PowerShell off of those, and that's just amazing to me. Yeah, PowerShell v6 universal. It's out. It's GA'd. Uh, they, they've got it to a shippable state. We're good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I won't disagree with that answer at all, Andrew, although I'm going to go a completely different route on my answer. I actually think that the most impressive thing inside the NetApp portfolio is is actually completely antiquated at this point in time, uh, and that's Waffle. I it. Antiquated is probably not the correct word for there, but 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 it's not it's not the advantage that it was you know 15, 20 years ago. These days, it's it's how storage operating systems are developed, right? You know, you put a file system in between the media and and your front end protocol access, and and you take advantage of things like having separate read and write paths, right? And and the concept of using an NVLog journal and 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 the whole way that Waffle goes about serving storage was completely unlike everything else in the industry. And we only did it that way because of NAS, right? And we were an NFS platform. But then when you add block on top of that, that was the, the step. And, and you, if you go in, the, you jump in the Wayback Machine, you go in the internet and go take a look, you know, there was an opinion that, that the way that NetApp did it was incorrect. And it wasn't, air quotes, real SAN, right? That has been proven to just 
be one of those transitions where someone has a different idea. It looks completely different from what you're used to. So you throw it out. And in the fullness of time, you realize, no, that's a better way of doing it. Because all of these all flash arrays, they all work off that base principle. And, and, and really Waffle was the, the, the thing that proved it to, to work. Yeah, and, you know, to expand on that, Waffle technologically is really cool, right? But like you said, it's been, I won't say replicated, but emulated in a number of different ways to, to more or less success, depending on the implementation. What's really interesting to me is just the sheer smartness of people here, right? So I look at things like All Flash Fast, right? All Flash Fast is still on tap. It's still Waffle. But somebody looked at that and said, you know what? SSDs don't need all of this extra stuff that hard drives do. Let's just rip that out. And lo and behold, it led to, like, what, a 3x improvement in latency, among other things, and all this other stuff. So just that sort of novel curiosity, right, the way that that a lot of our engineers, a lot of those super smart people look at things and are constantly improving things, even after 25 years, right, 25-plus years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think you probably put your finger more 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 concretely on the internal culture and and what drives how we do things. It's very much engineering driven. Yeah, and you know, I, I think we can extend that to, you know, so yes, today is is what it's mid-February, right? So one year and two weeks ago we acquired SolidFire, right? And I thought one of the really cool things about the SolidFire acquisition wasn't, hey, it's this it's it's this flash array, right? It's that's no, it's they're doing storage different than anybody else and it just happens to be flash yeah right that was the interesting part to to netapp that was why we wanted to have that product lo and behold he did make the meeting although not in person hi justin how you doing jp what's your most what's the most impressive thing in netapp's portfolio in your opinion what's the thing that that just keeps you here oh man do i have to pick one yeah you got to pick a favorite kid only one Flex group, obviously. I knew that was going to be your answer. <laughs> Wait, I, are are you in a bathroom? Um, I hope it's a bathroom because I just went. Um, it's a conference room somewhere in EBC in Sunnyvale. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, Mikey. Now that now, now that Justin has done his duty and derailed us, uh, <laughs> you want to keep pushing forward, man? D yeah, does sure. that answer your question, buddy? That's my question. Yeah, favorite thing, your coolest feature. Uh, I guess, Justin, dive into it for a little bit more. Why is that your favorite thing? Well, for one, I cover it. So um, yeah. I was hoping for a little, little extra. Well, the way I see it, um, there's been some limitations uh, with the current architecture. It's kind of built for seven mode, right? So the FlexFall piece itself was built for seven mode. We've since evolved into a clustered architecture, scale-out storage. And now we have a container that reflects that evolution. So for me, the Flex Group is a natural progression into a greater uh, move into scale-out storage to make it more appropriate for scale-out environments so you can scale capacity and performance at the same time. That's why. Cool. Fantastic answer, sir. And I guess uh, real quick, we, I'm sure you'll, they'll go back and edit it back in, but how long have you been here and where, what company did you come from? Oh, um, I've been at NetApp for about 10 years, um, and I came from a sysadmin role at another company prior to NetApp. And when I got to NetApp, it's, it's kind of funny because like, when you work in IT, you kind of think you have all the answers, right? And you assume that because nothing's broken, you must be a god at your job. Uh, so you come to NetApp and you start realizing that, man, I really didn't know anything, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
because you start when I came in, I came in as support, so I was fixing things that were broken. So now I'm having to deal with all these things that are broken, which I never had to deal with before. And, and I'm realizing that you know the stuff that I poo pooed as like you know just interview questions, like the OSI layers, or like you know the the FISMO roles and, and Active Directory, like oh those are just interview questions, they're stock interview questions. In reality, those are things that actually matter. <laughs> Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, dive into the portfolio questions now. So I'm going to ask you guys the challenge combined. If you could describe the following products and who uses them in a, in a sentence or two, just right off the hip, just a snap answer. Anyone could could repeat and get a better idea of our portfolio. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to just tag team the answers or one at a time or take turns. You guys yeah, just throw it out there. We'll, we'll see who grabs it. All right. So uh, seven mode. Go. Legacy. <laughs> Can I... Are, are we are we still calling it that? No. Yeah. Uh, so Seven Mode was the original on tap, right? It served it served NetApp, served our customers really really well for a long time. Um, that being said, right, clustered data on tap now just simply on tap uh, is really where the future is, right? It it adds a lot more capabilities. Um, so the hallmark of Seven Mode, of course, was originally right. There was no concept of flex volumes, right? It was, uh, or or there was the concept of a volume, but a volume yeah, was traditional made up of disks, right? Which was made up of RAID groups, um, etc. And then we actually had queue trees on top of there. So Seven Mode um, is is legacy on tap, right? And it still has a lot of features, a lot of functionality. It still meets a lot of that. Uh, Rightly or wrongly, the simplicity marks for a lot of uh, administrators, right? Yeah. Um, and storage administrators for um, for better, again, for better or for worse, we're kind of a stodgy bunch. We we don't like change a whole lot. So, yeah. Right. So it's like someone's still running Windows Windows XP. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the accurate analogy, minus all the security glitches and all that other such nonsense. <laughs> but but seven, I mean, seven mode was great. You know, it built this company into a multi-billion-dollar conglomerate, and and gave it the the muscle to go help, go challenge. You know, the, these really hard problems like cloud and hybrid, and how are we going to do this stuff? Um, but but eventually, we found the limits of what it could do. And in order to continue to to support our customers, we had to build cluster mode. Yeah, evolved. Yeah. So, so so to add on to that, I mean, so seven mode was designed for a different time, and this is the time when we had less capacity needs, right? Smaller footprints for storage. Data centers weren't necessarily filling up and getting over overbooked, right? You didn't have all these high rental fees. You had a lot of actual room for this stuff. You know, in 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 general, the IT industry was not taking off like it is today. So it was good for what it was, but you needed a scale out solution. That's what Cluster Data ONTAP was meant to be: was to scale out this seven mode concept and allow storage administrators to non disruptively grow out their capacity footprint, so that you wouldn't have to deal with the issues that seven mode had, where you only had a single access to a single node, limited capacity. Once you filled up all your physical shelf storage, uh, you couldn't add new shelves under the system because of SCSI limitations and that sort of thing. Well, damn, you just jumped right into CDOT then. Anything else to uh, jump on that one? That was my point number two. Uh, so CDOT itself, uh, so that was essentially, like I said, designed to solve a scale-out solution, right? So it came into NetApp once we bought the company called Spinnaker. Um, I forget what year it was, but it was a while back. And then we, we basically turned that into GX, which was, you know, uh, version 10, right? Um, it had some ONTAP-like 
capabilities, but it was more of a Frankenstein's monster. So they yeah. took they took seven mode concept, they kind of just forced fed it into the GX and Spinnaker concept and made it on tap like. But there was you know code bloat and it was you know it wasn't designed for that particular use case. It was good for some things, especially for NFS v3 situations. Um, but then with ONTAP uh, 8, we decided we were going to converge it and rewrite it from the ground up. And that essentially gave us the opportunity to fully integrate that, that Spinnaker concept into ONTAP and make it a truly clustered concept. And then we've evolved since then into ONTAP 9 where we're offering more capabilities, more functionality, more simplicity. Um, so you know, we're really listening to the customers to make sure that we are making the clustered architecture what they want it to be. Yeah, the only thing that I would add on to that is is I, I think of ONTAP very much as a platform um, because, you know, the, the, the way that, you know, as, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we had Andy on here, we do all of our development around here in software. And that's, that's where our features come. That's where our capabilities are derived from. Uh, the hardware is just, you know, the cogs that we use to get that stuff to actually work. Um, and, and because of that, when we add new capabilities and features, it works on all the old stuff. You know, all of our customers get to take advantage of it. It's not like a sub-portion uh, get left out in the cold or anything. Um, but, but, but the thing with, with, with cluster data on tap in particular, uh, it particularly with the 8.1 release when we introduced SAN capabilities, when we launched 8.1, there were storage virtual machines that were initiated in customer sites that have effectively been alive since that point in time. Right. There's no and they don't ever have to die. They can just continuously go through any number of, of upgrades, both software and hardware, non-disruptively get migrated wherever the heck they need to go. And the operations teams that, that originally stood that workload up, they haven't needed to take it off ever since that point in time. And, and that's why I, I really think of ONTAP as more of a platform because you put your data in the platform and it's got tools and mechanisms that, that you use to, to make it easier and, and to handle your life cycle. But, but all in all, it stays in that platform, right, inside that ecosystem. And, and, and to add on to that, you know, with that platform concept, we're actually extending it out to cloud now with Data Fabric and Fabric Pool and that sort of thing. Sweet. <clears throat> well, yeah, that's great description. I'm Totally clears up a lot of the C dot stuff for me, especially the seven mode. I guess let's move on to AFF. Yeah, this one's easy. You take FAS and you only put SSDs on it. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a software limitation, right? So the the operating system on tap itself will not even recognize hard drives attached to the system. So it is it is literally on tap but only with SSDs, and because it only has SSDs, we do some optimizations inside of ONTAP for that, for that medium. Yeah, and that, that's the key is the optimizations, because that's really what differentiates the AFF from the FAST system, and that helps get squeeze more performance out of the SSDs than you can get with a normal FAST system that did not have the optimizations. Yep, so even though you can take a normal FAST, right, a standard ONTAP system, and attach only SSDs to it, you will not get the same performance as if you have an AFF because AFF is specifically, you will never have hard drives attached, so just don't even pay attention to hard drive-related code. Great. And what's the fastest code? The code that doesn't execute. Damn straight. <laughs> All right, moving along. Uh, we touched on this for a minute ago, or, uh, right at the beginning, but uh, your guys' take on SolidFire. You had to explain it in two sentences, who uses it, why? Yeah, so SolidFire to me is, it is an uh, so the way that I have been describing it as I go to events like DevOps days, right, 
so a lot of people will come up to the table, right, and it's, oh, well, what, what is NetApp, right, or what is SolidFire, or I know NetApp, why are you here type of thing, right? So SolidFire is all Flash, shared nothing, scale-out, node-based storage, right, for providing block-based, right, iSCSI fiber channel storage devices. But ultimately, that's the least interesting part of the entire thing. Right? The interesting part is the way that it is able to be surfaced up and consumed by application teams natively. Right? They understand how the APIs work. Right, It's a very simple to use API. They understand and there are existing integrations for things like PowerShell, Python, Perl, right? all of these other SDKs and integrations that exist. So for them, it's a very easy to consume platform that is also very low on maintenance. Right? There's not a lot of overhead associated with day-to-day -day maintenance and things like that. I have to back up that. I know I've told that story before, but we had somebody on a show floor come up uh, who wasn't, you know, an app developer, app owner. That was their area of, of interest, not storage. And and they were basically like, take my money. I just yeah. I just want to use this so I don't have problems because, you know, my app what it wants what it wants when it wants it. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've had the most success over the past year since the acquisition uh, using SolidFire. The thing that I like to call it is a growth vehicle. Uh, when we're talking to to customers and and we're specifically talking about new initiatives, right? New new endeavors that 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 aren't well understood. They don't really have a handle on what their growth's going to be. They don't know if it's going to take off. They don't know what the requirements are going to be. That's really an awesome spot to 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 introduce Solid Fire to a customer because they don't get locked into any decisions. You know, they, we can just go ahead and grow the system as we need to. The stack increments and the way that 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 we can build these capacity pools is incredibly friendly from a business perspective. We don't have to blow up the business model if all of a sudden it starts to take off like wildfires, or wildflowers. Um, it's 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 really advantageous in in those particular avenues uh, where 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 the future is is really not well understood I like to take off like wildflowers it's pretty awesome <laughs> Fair so as far as the solid fire to me I mean you know for one the QOS right the, the the unique way they handle QOS I think is a selling point but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention what just got announced uh, in the earnings call right which is HCI Right? I mean, that's what we can start thinking about when we think SolidFire now. And we'll have more on that in the podcast in a later episode where we can actually talk about the specifics. But that's the teaser. Yeah, I, you know, I was very happy when that came out on the earnings call because we've been sitting in this damn room for the past six months going, I can't wait till we can talk about what you guys have been working on. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, smile. <laughs> surprised there wasn't a leak. I really, really am surprised there wasn't a leak. But uh, good job, team, on that one. <laughs> in that case, I know we're running short on time. Real quick, we'll tackle the E-Series. Yeah, so uh, E-Series is our dragster. You know, if, if you are one of those customers who has the most performant workloads on the planet, you, you're, you're in high-frequency trading or something like that, and, and you absolutely care about one microsecond versus the next, uh, today, our, our EF series is, is the fastest box that we can possibly build with the lowest latency. Uh, and then on the, the inverse side of that, again, at, at the, the bare metal dragster model, if you're just talking raw capacity at a COGS perspective, like how, how much do I have to pay for this spindle and for, for, for this gig of storage? Uh, on the spinning side of our super dense EF platform, that's, that's also where we can get you know, just the most 
uh, effective uh, price performance, but there's no features, right? There's no data protection. There's no higher level, well, very limited higher level integration into app ecosystems. Uh, there's really no 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 tooling around it. It's it is just enterprise grade, super reliable, super fast, super simple storage. Yeah, it's like the like the dragster analogy is great because it's like, hey, you want to go fast? Great. You want air conditioning? No. <laughs> airbags, you don't get no. That. Don't you exactly. Need airbags. No yeah. airbags. You get a parachute. <laughs> brakes? You don't need brakes. Um, and, and add on to that, I mean, you know, Glenn's point is, is accurate in terms of what you want to use it for, but also video rendering is, is a pretty hot space for the E-Series, right? People using it to do their uh, capture of video on surveillance. Mm. Neat. All right. Well, that's storage grid? Storage grid. Enlighten me to storage grid. All right. So storage grid uh, was was a acquisition. What was it? Three, four years ago, J- Justin, that the, the, they came over with Bycast. Yeah, I think it was Bycast. Yep. Yeah. So so storage grid was another uh, acquisition that came into NetApp. Uh, they were a small uh, object storage. Uh, s- operating system. And for the past four years, we've just been nonstop developing. Uh, that, that, that platform has gone from a little niche CDMI object store product into what I personally consider the most impressive object store solution you, you, you want, period. Uh, I've, I've seen customers go in literally like taking a look at, at their massive Amazon uh, footprint and going, you know, this, this isn't really tenable, but we kind of like the object model and, and literally take and cloud attach a little bit of our, our, of our uh, storage grid product and, and the capability to, to lift and shift to migrate those use cases, keep the same type of, of, of workflows, right? Because it is a true object store, both S3, CDMI, uh, and, and other uh, extensions compatible. I'm not the expert on it, as you can tell, but, but I'm wildly impressed by it. It is this, this endeavor that I've had for years where, where I'm trying to make it more part of my day-to-day life because I just want to learn more about it. Uh, the, the way that it, 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 it can globally distribute data uh, it, it has the best erasure coding implemented, as far as I'm concerned, in oh. the industry right now. You know, people talk about erasure. We've got it. We know what we know what works well and where it works well, and, and some of the downfalls. You know, some of the places where where it starts to give you some issues. So, uh, it, it, it's it's more of a, a niche solution today, just because most enterprise customers haven't really wrapped their head around object. That's still more of a a cloud centric uh, thing. But but as hybrid becomes a reality. We personally believe, and we being NetApp personally believe, that object is going to be one of those those protocols and buckets that, that everyone's going to have some bit of at some point in the future. Yeah, and if you want to learn a little more about storage grid, we actually had a couple episodes, uh, episode 23 of the Tech on Tech podcast, as well as episode 36, where we talked to the storage services design team about storage grid. And I think we're a little overdue to get uh, Duncan back on and start talking about storage grid again. Uh, just to give us an update of what's going on. But um, what it did was it filled a gap, right? So ONTAP did not have an S3 connector, and, you know, people wanted it. And it was either build it into ONTAP and, you know, have it half-baked or work on it over time and, and, you know, and make it a little better or deliver it right away through an acquisition like Bycast and Storage Grid and develop that uh, in the meantime. Yeah, and I guess uh, I'll go ahead and, and throw this one out there. Uh, Justin, th- feel free to tack on if you could think of another. But uh, the, the other one that I'd be remiss if we didn't mention was AltaVault. 
uh, which, which again, that, that was an acquisition uh, about a year and a half ago now. So you can kind of sense, see, see a trend here, you know, small targeted, uh, for the most part, small targeted companies, bring them in, make sure that they, they get transitioned correctly and then scale their operations so we can bring it to our entire portfolio. But uh, the, the AltaVault acquisition, that's a cloud gateway. So, so that's a, the ability to take uh, any traditional file server, you know, NFS or SIFS and or a streaming backup target from something like a, you know, networker, NetBackup, Commvault, et cetera. Uh, and, and stream that to our cloud gateway, which then does all of the storage efficiencies, you know, compression, deduplication, global, et cetera, uh, before it shoots it up into uh, the actual cloud. In, in this case, either it can be layered in front of our storage grid product for a completely private solution, or, or you can point it to any of the cloud providers, right? Google, Amazon, Azure, any of them. Uh, and, then, and then its special sauce is it keeps a local copy of the data so you can control your costs. If you ever need to do a restore, pulling that data back out of the cloud, you won't have to, to, to do those pulls because there's uh, th one of the little secrets about hyperscaler clouds, right, is, is the, whole, the old joke about Hotel California. It's super cheap to put stuff in there. You, you really start to pay when you try to pull it back out. So anything that we can do to offload those costs, that, that starts to have an amplifying factor for our customers, right, and starts to bring these solutions in tow and, and helps bring the ROI down so that they can afford them even when they think they can't. Nice. It's also a selling point for Roach Motels, isn't it? <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> no, there's marketing. So you guys aren't in marketing is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm here to help you excel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, AltaVault filled another need, right? And it also added a fabric, a thread to the data fabric, right? Um, and with the SnapMirror to AltaVault implementation in 9.1, it allows us to integrate with ONTAP without actually making AltaVault some Frankenstein ONTAP like we did with GX. Yeah, and, and, and that's probably the... Just to add on to what Justin said, I think that's the biggest difference between, you know, what happened 10 years ago with what we attempted to do with GX and, and the strategy today. The strategy today is more around uh, protocols and an open ecosystem. So, like, as you guys know, right, we're not, we're not trying to, you know, port solid fire element OS into ONTAP in some weird way where we, you know, we keep everything, you know. And no, we have our snap mirror protocol. It's a simple way for us to replicate data. You know, we already have it in between the, the two storage platforms. We have our snap mirror everywhere vision. You know, the fullness of time, we will eventually just be able to move data in between all of these platforms. You know, that is our strategy, you know, that we call the data fabric. Sweet. Oh, yeah. Those are my questions. Amy, anything else you got? Anything else NetApp 101 people need to know? Well, I'm just looking uh, forward to what we'll see online. Uh, maybe a, a, a dueling uh, questions kind of concept between uh, at NetApp and at SolidFire. We can see a rapid fire back and forth. So I want all our listeners to challenge, challenge those handles. Send them your questions. See if uh, Mike has absorbed, absorbed all the knowledge. I absorb everything because I have Jabber and Twitter direct message. Confirmed. This, is this like a stump the chump? Is that what this is? Exactly. That's what I'm encouraging our readers. Now that Mike's had the one-on-one, -on -one, I want him to, uh, I want those questions to flow. You can go so, and edit uh, that out, Justin. It never happened. <laughs> hey, don't feel bad, man. We end every single episode with send your questions to at NetApp. Never happens. I think you're safe. <laughs> But you're, you'll be you'll be different because they'll start sending them in now. Actually, yeah, this will be the episode where they actually take us up on Send that. Send them in. 
I I'm going to pay these times. guys to send them. Oh, yeah, I'm going to send pay these guys to send you questions. And he's going to get well, everyone's socks who asks a question. <laughs> I like where this is going. Maybe a hoodie for a question I can't answer. Ooh. <laughs> Tiered system. <laughs> so, Mike, does that answer your questions, man? Yeah, that's NetApp 101. Thanks so much for the time, guys. No, thank you. Uh, thank, thanks for. Uh, I, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a big compliment right now. It takes a giant set to walk in a room and play the dumb guy who asks the questions that no one else knows, but they aren't willing to admit either. So thank you very much for playing that part for our listeners today. <laughs> Happy to play the dummy in the room anytime. So if people want to get get in touch with the after the fact, Mike, how do they do that? Uh, probably easiest way to find me on Twitter. Uh, number one and only Mike T. All right, and Amy. Um, I'll be the one pestering the one and only Mike T at comms ninja. Justin, you want to plug yourself here? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to plug myself. But I just want to mention that, you know, it's not that brave to be the dumbest guy in the room because I do it every day. <laughs> Humble. <laughs> it is. It is brave. You're, you're just that brave, Justin. Yes. <laughs> or that Super dumb, brave. Whichever yeah. you want to. Our own Justin Parisi. Hashtag blessed. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, please leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Mike Turner and Amy Lewis for joining us for this Getting to Know NetApp. All right, guys. Rapid edition, hipster or hobo? Go. Definitely hobo. Oh, 100% hipster. Look at the mustache. Yep, totally. (laughs) Confirmed. Storage janitor. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah. It could be worse. It could be the leader of the free world these days. What if he had a mustache? Would it be hipster or hobo? Oh. It could be fake news. Oh. Oh, the world will never know. I don't have a mustache. What are you talking about? Alt mustaches. I'll have a mustache and it'll be great. (laughs) Twice as big as your mustache. Make facial hair great again.